Welcome to the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. Hello, and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. The Collective Voice of Health IT. So, this podcast is about both health and IT and how they intersect, and, and what an appropriate time in history to be talking about both. On this podcast, we're going to offer our listeners engaging and intimate discussions with prominent healthcare thought leaders as we look at key themes and topics in healthcare IT, both current and emerging. I'm your host, Matthew Albright. My day job is Chief Legislative Affairs Officer for Zealous Payments. Zealous, Z-E-L-I-S, is a healthcare and financial technology company located in beautiful Bedminster, New Jersey. I also serve as the Communication Committee Chair for Weedy. That's W-E-D-I, Weedy, and Weedy is the producer of this podcast. Our producer, Michael McNutt, is wearing a virtual Weedy t-shirt, and he's waving to me virtually as we speak. Hello, Michael. Hello, Matthew. (laughs) Weedy is the preeminent National Membership Association for Health IT Guidance, and more especially, I think, Collaboration. For those not familiar with Weedy, for nearly 30 years, Weedy's been an instrumental force in igniting public-private partnerships to empower meaningful changes in the American healthcare system. And I'll tell you what I think makes this association called Weedy Special. Weedy was actually formed in 1991 by the then Secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services at the time, Dr. Lewis Sullivan. Weedy is actually mentioned in the 1996 HIPAA legislation as advisor to the secretary of HHS. In this way, uh, Weedy has always had a close relationship with the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, CMS, with HHS's Office for Civil Rights, and, and most recently with the Office of the National Coordinator for Health Information Technology, lovingly referred to as the ONC. Weedy focuses on advancing standards for electronic administrative transactions. And uh, just to put that in English, those are the the billing and payment transactions that are on the business side of healthcare. And as as privacy and security are important elements to those transactions and to the business side of healthcare, Weedy is always out there promoting data privacy and security. Most recently, Weedy has been instrumental in efforts to harmonize the administrative and the clinical data. That is, Weedy has been key in bringing together the business side of healthcare with the clinical and medical side of healthcare in a shared health IT framework. And our guest for this inaugural episode of the Collective Voice of Health IT is Ferris Taylor. Ferris Taylor is the executive director of the Healthcare Executive Group, HCEG. HCEG is a national network of thought leaders focused on technology to grow, share, and reshape healthcare. And I think Ferris is an excellent first guest for the collective voice of health IT because his organization's members, many of whom are C-suite healthcare leaders, are always looking forward to and predicting healthcare's next opportunities, challenges, and issues. Weedy, again, that's the association that's the sponsor of this program, keeps leaders like Ferris Taylor in our circle of friends so that Weedy can prioritize its own health IT issues. And and I think never is that kind of predicting and prioritizing more important than during the tremendous shifts that healthcare is going through during this pandemic. Few people uh, can talk fluently about the intersection of strategy, operations, marketing, big data, and clinical programs in healthcare, but Ferris Taylor can uh, because he has served in an executive role in all of these areas. So Ferris, welcome to the inaugural episode of the Collective Voice of Health IT. Matt, thank you for inviting me and congratulations to you and Michael and and Weedy on the launch of the Collective Voice in Health IT. Uh, I'm Humbled and honored uh, to be participating, especially in this first uh, session. And uh, on a personal basis, I especially appreciate working with you, Matt, and Zealous, uh, along with Weedy, on thought leadership opportunities like this, as our three organizations have a long history together. Um, in full disclosure, Zealous is one of six technology partners 
of the healthcare executive group, HCG. Uh, you will hear some people refer to HCG as HCAG. Uh, I'll explain some history less, uh, later about that, plus the fact that uh, uh, we have been partners with Weedy for a number of years, and I certainly look forward to our conversations today. Terrific, Ferris. Uh, so do I. And I think what you were just talking about is a great reflection of the title of this podcast, right? This is the collective voice. And we're talking about collaborations between uh, organizations that are interested in health IT. So I like the way you framed that. Um, maybe we can start by telling our listeners a little more about yourself. And I'd like to start with a question that that puzzled me while reading your bio. So how does someone who studied and has a degree in nuclear physics find themselves in healthcare. I'm sure there's a, a story in there somewhere. Oh, dear, Matt. You really are digging into my past. Uh, uh, <laughs> that was a long time ago uh, when I had the nuclear physics ID, uh, I, idea. It is true that I headed to college planning to be a nuclear engineer and build uh, nuclear power plants. Uh, uh, part of the story is that I grew up on a farm in Idaho. And for those of you that have know me or have seen my physical size, I'm not, I don't have the build of a big burly farmer uh, pushing around 200 milk cows. Uh, uh, but uh, Idaho actually houses a nuclear research facility in the central part of the state in Arco, where uh, one of their claims to fame was that they built the first nuclear reactor for submarine. And uh, in my mind, uh, nuclear physics was my ticket off from the farm. So uh, that's part of the story. But uh, I did get to know and work for uh, the past head of the Atomic Energy Commission, uh, Dr. Uh, Richard Scott. And he was involved in ARCO in developing the, the first uh, nuclear submarine engine. And in my mind, that was uh, a really good combination of contributing to society and at the same time uh, using technology, leading edge technology that existed at that time. Uh, unfortunately, uh, late one evening when I was uh, pretty well through my undergraduate work, uh, I was in the office with Dr. Scott and he made a statement to me that the rest of the world might not be nearly as excited about nuclear energy as I was. And that was many years ago, Matt, but uh, as all of us look back, uh, because of the way nuclear power was first used in, uh, in, in the atomic bomb and like that, it has carried a lot of stigma and uh, uh, he was right. I, I really needed to get out of nuclear physics. Uh, unfortunately, no, money, no one warned me that there would be a time when healthcare might be equally as dangerous. Uh, uh, COVID-19 not being not the only challenge that we've had to address, but that's, uh, that's the story. I love, the, I, I love the idea, <laughs> I'm sorry, I love the idea, Ferris, of your mentor and this, this, this great leader in nuclear physics, right, um, who, uh, <laughs> who turns around and tells you, don't, don't go into the, plastics is not where it's at, right? The nuclear energy is not where it's at. Go someplace else. I think that's a you good know, it, it, When you connect with people on a personal basis and you get to know them, uh, there's good thoughts and ideas, and as you introduced uh, the collective voice of Health IT, this collaboration and sharing of ideas and thought leadership really can change the direction not only of individuals' lives but business lives. And you know, in my case, I uh, uh, looked at my uh, my expertise, my interests, and pivoted my studies to an MBA, uh, emphasized finance because it it was numbers oriented and quantitative uh, economics, uh, started my career in Boston working for a company called DRI, Data Resources, and they were the premier, premier company doing economic or econometric forecasting. They ended up being acquired by Standard & Poor's and now are part of McGraw-Hill. But uh, uh, in my work there, I was invited multiple times to work on a project with uh, uh, another friend for a small 200,000 member HMO, health maintenance organization in Boston called Harvard Community Health Plan at the time. It was closed network. Uh, uh, the physicians were employees the same as everyone else, but uh, uh, probably as with you and many of our listeners today, um, uh, 
as I got involved in healthcare, I I became addicted and and passionate about healthcare, and it served me well for almost 30 years. Uh, uh, in quick summary, a dozen years with Harvard Pilgrim, uh, VP of Marketing and Planning on the hospital side with the community hospitals that partners healthcare. Uh, led a consulting practice in the pricing area, strategic pricing group for um, uh, what now is part of Deloitte, headed up payer market strategy for Optum. And then the last few years have been a challenging but uh, very educational experience in starting a co-op health plan called Arches Health Plan here in Utah. So the common theme across that career is is really uh, before and now in healthcare, making data and technology work for decision-making. And so today's HIT topics and discussion uh, should be a lot of fun for both of us and for those listening to us. Yeah. Yeah. I, and Ferris, I think what's great about your experience is that you've seen the, the healthcare uh, market trends and IT and policies from, from many different angles, right? It's like the story of the the blindfolded people in a circle, each touching a different part of the elephant. And and you seem to have touched the the elephant that is healthcare, right? From many different angles. So you have a you have a much better sense of the whole. So so now talk to us a little bit about the healthcare executive group, um, HCAG. Who are its members? Uh, what's its mission? I, I appreciate that. And uh, actually, when the organization was founded in 1988, it was called MCAG, the Managed Care Executive Group, because if you think about it, going into the 90s, uh, the, the future seemed to be focused on managed care. Um, a, a number of years ago, as we evaluated uh, managed care versus healthcare, there were a number of reasons. There was a negative connotation about managed care, and we changed one word in that title and, and called it uh, Healthcare Executive Group. But it's a national network of executives and industry thought leaders uh, that was founded when digital equipment in Maynard, Massachusetts, a uh, mini computer manufacturer that's long since gone, uh, disbanded their healthcare users group. And those users found value in working together to improve and reshape healthcare independent of the specific HIT vendor that had originally pulled them together. Uh, so they formed uh, a small kind of eclectic uh, healthcare executive group. Our mission is really guiding healthcare executives through innovation, change, and growth. Obviously, three topics that are top of mind uh, today with the, the COVID crisis. Our members are typically, and it's just naturally evolved this way, uh, to be state and more regional health plans where the executives sitting in the C-suite are looking across all of the issues and challenges that their organization is dealing with. Uh, I, you know, I, I facetiously say at times, uh, having worked for six years as part of United Healthcare, I think there are 37 technology leaders within uh, within United in in at Independent Health in Buffalo, New York, or uh, uh, AvMed in in Miami, or uh, Medica in um, uh, Minneapolis. Uh, the technology and information technology and, and innovation technology leaders are sitting at the table looking at all of the issues. So given those roots and our member organizational leads being primarily technology uh, officers, uh, it's natural that uh, we focused on uh, HIT as the the core of, of our business. And we bring together most of those C-suite func functions today because technology is now fully integrated into the clinical and the operational and the the call centers and the finance parts of, of healthcare. So uh, we interact regularly across multiple channels throughout the year, facilitate a lot of networking via social media and webinars. Uh, we will talk about it when we provide a national uh, beyond our own membership, industry pulse research and analysis each year, uh, participate in roundtables and leadership discussions at major industry events, and, and publish a newsletter 
on uh, technology and innovation. The, the pillars of HCG, Matt, are thought leadership and networking across the country on critical issues. I'm not sure I, uh, I, I would want your framing of HCG to be uh, predicting we don't have a special uh, crystal ball about the future, but we spend a lot of time uh, back and forth in deep discussions on critical issues, and it definitely gives us an ability to share perspectives, predictions on what uh, we think the future will be. I, I personally have been involved with HCG for over 15 years and find it an invaluable way to keep current with healthcare uh, technology and innovation. Uh, so naturally, when uh, uh, Michael and, and Charles and you reached out and asked that I, I join you today, I, 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 I immediately uh, welcomed that opportunity. Charles Steller, who's the CEO of Weedy, and I have, uh, have been uh, colleagues for 20 some odd years. So. We consider HCG and Weedy to be partner associations at this point. Terrific, Ferris, and and certainly Weedy appreciates and and we certainly uh, benefit from that partnership. And uh, you know, you got to uh, want to back away from the the crystal ball analogy and the predictive, but certainly you're you're thinking through uh, priorities and issues with C-suite leaders across the country, across uh, multiple different platforms, and and then you you describe this with two vehicles. Uh, 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 that come out of HCEG, the annual HCEG Top 10, uh, and then the annual Industry Pulse Survey. So maybe you can touch a bit on that, on each of well, those. Uh, thanks, Matt. Those are definitely uh, two uh, uh, activities that are close to our my heart uh, personally. I've been involved with all from the beginning, and uh, and more importantly, they we spend a lot of time on those. So each year, you know, with the month after month uh, uh, of conversations and discussing and debating critical issues in healthcare, towards the end of the year, typically it's been at our annual uh, in in-person event, uh, our annual forum. Uh, this year it will be virtual naturally, but we uh, we go through a formal process with our members to vote on and rank what they see as the, the next year's HCG top 10 issues. And we coined that, uh, that title top 10, um, uh, Matt, in all honesty, uh, some years ago with uh, uh, the David Letterman show, and uh, you you remember if you watch, uh, remember any of those, uh, he That's periodically right. would right. do his top ten. Yep. And so it was a catchy, uh, nice way to introduce a topic. But uh, and and the listeners can go to hcg.org and and look at the ten or fifteen years of of history on those top ten. But it isn't just the the list for 2020. Uh, uh, top 10 issues that's helpful to executives. It's also being able to look back at those issues and priorities and how they've evolved and changed over time. And that becomes very insightful and helpful to organizations as they develop their, their own uh, particular and specific criteria and priorities. I, I don't know of of many longitudinal perspectives on healthcare and innovation and technology that have been in place for so many years. Uh, but uh, that's our membership perspective. And these are, as I said, uh, a, a unique set of health plans and provider groups and health systems around the country. So uh, about 10 years ago, uh, with one of our part, uh, other uh, technology partners, Change Healthcare, the idea came up to say, well, why don't we take the ACG top 10 and take it out to the rest of the industry <clears throat> and sort of validate it, uh, see what they think about it. So each year we have done what we call the industry pulse, and that's a national survey. This year it was 400 and some odd uh, responders, uh, 40 to 60 percent of them uh, at the executive level that were responding. And we were able to test the validity of the top 10 list that we put together. But it also gives us the opportunity in a survey environment to dig a little deeper into uh, specific areas where maybe our discussions have lacked 
some uh, some detail or some perspective or raised more questions than it has uh, produced answers. So, uh, you know, we unfortunately, Matt, we published uh, Industry Pulse. I think it was February fifteenth. If you think about the timing, it was right as COVID uh, nineteen was beginning to hit, and. Uh, now, as we look back over the last uh, five or six months, uh, uh, we know that the entire healthcare world has changed. So a few weeks ago, we actually launched uh, a, a flash survey uh, called COVID Industry Pulse, and uh, that came out of the field Monday evening, just this week. Um, I've had uh, just uh, one tidbit look at the data uh, so far, but uh, uh, I'll, I'll share some perspectives during this, but Charles and Ma Michael and you and I have already agreed that uh, when we get those that analysis of the COVID update to Industry Pulse, we'll also share that specifically with Weedy, maybe do a webinar or find the appropriate way to share details with the listeners today. Good, good, terrific. Uh, we look forward to a webinar with that, and, and hopefully um – when we come back from a break here in a minute, we could uh, get a sneak peek or at least get a sense of what you think might have changed uh, between the last time you did this survey coming out at the beginning of this year and um, and what you think may change with this next survey that you're putting up now. Uh, and and maybe, maybe nothing has changed. But I, I like the idea, like you said, that these uh, these top 10 and the industry polls, they're a kind of snapshot. And I, I feel like they're a Polaroid uh, every year uh, that you can then, you know, look back at and, and uh, we, you would look back and see how much hair you lose over, over a certain amount of time <laughs> and how many wrinkles you have. But uh, I think for the healthcare industry, it's very interesting to think about where their priorities were six months ago and, and compare them to where they are now. So when we come back, I'd like to pick up on that discussion. Um, for right now, uh, let's take a quick break and hear about Weedy's summer all-virtual uh, forum from our producer, Michael McNutt. Connect, collaborate, and create solutions at Weedy's summer forum, taking place virtually July 31st and continuing August 3 through 6. Join health IT professionals for this multidisciplined examination of some of the most important topics in the industry. Increase your knowledge on USCDI, the ICAD Task Force, FIRE, OAuth 2.0, HL7 accelerators, and more from some of the best minds in the industry. In addition, the privacy and security sessions during the forum look at consumer privacy, public health and cybersecurity trends, plus updates from CORE, X12, and an interactive session looking at improving administrative processes. Rates for individual and organization-wide licenses are available. Learn more at weedy.org. The Weedy Summer Forum, July 31st and August 3 through 6. Welcome back to the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. I'm Matthew Albright, and we're talking to Ferris Taylor, Executive Director of the Healthcare Executive Group, HKEG. I'll also take this time to make a quick pitch for a survey that Weedy is conducting this time uh, on on payers and providers and consumers' experience with telehealth services since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. And if you want to help us with that survey, we'd, we'd love to hear your point of view. Uh, please visit the Weedy website. We'll hear a bit more about that in, uh, in a few minutes, uh, but uh, click into the Weedy website and get a hold of that service survey. So, Ferris, um, maybe what we can do is, is uh, talk very quickly about what you found at the beginning of the year covering 2019 in terms of the top 10 in the industry pulse, and then do a kind of before and after, right? Before coronavirus, BC, if you will, and after in terms of the priorities that you found with the healthcare executives and more broadly with the healthcare industry uh, through the industry pulse. So um, coming into 2020, what, what were some of the themes uh, in 2019 and early 2020, um, where uh, where thought leaders thought we were heading, and then um, maybe how did those things change with what's happened in the last six months? Terrific, Matt. And, and as you and I were together uh, in early December at the Weedy uh, Winter Conference, uh, we led a discussion. We didn't have industry pulse at that time, but we had uh, the 2019 top 10 uh, along with uh, that initial version of the 2020 priorities. And um, 
It was interesting in my mind that in 2019, data and analytics was at the top of the top 10 list uh, with consumer health, population health, uh, value-based care, uh, digital health, uh, all as priorities right behind uh, data and analytics. Uh, but the 2020 priorities were already fundamentally changing as we discussed at the Weedy Conference, even before the coronavirus hit. Uh, priorities like cost and transparency. Uh, as you recall, in uh, 2019, and, and it's certainly fresh on our mind right now, with pharma pricing, it was a critical discussion. Uh, uh, how do we deal with the costs of uh, specialty uh, pharmaceuticals? Uh, and that's likely to continue going forward with respect to uh, vaccines and testing and, uh, and everything else that's coming with uh, COVID-19. Uh, but even more importantly, right behind uh, uh, that uh, uh, fundamental change of cost and transparency was uh, what's happening with the consumer and the consumer experience. Uh, and that's a transition that has has been slow to develop in healthcare. It was, uh, you know, gaining more understanding from both the payers and the providers and all the stakeholders in healthcare of what it really means to be consumer centric. Uh, we know what that means with Amazon or what it means with uh, Alexa, but uh, healthcare was uh, far away. Uh, from that in terms of, of consumer centricity. And of course, uh, delivery transformation, uh, which could include uh, how we uh, how we make this transition from fee-for-service to value-based reimbursement. But it also was already uh, deep into digital health and personalized medicine, holistic uh, health care at the personal level. So uh, those were that was the setup that we had in uh, at the Weedy Conference and going into 2020. Now, obviously, um, uh, things have changed in, in the last uh, few months. Uh, we, we can't, uh, we couldn't be more positive that the consumer healthcare experience in the last few months has been uh, less than par. And uh, of course, one of the biggest and more obvious changes in healthcare has been around what the top 10 had labeled as alternative points of care. Uh, telehealth has, has exploded, uh, uh, driven by the absolute necessity for consumers to shelter in place, but the fact that they still needed access to care, and also by providers recognizing that it wasn't desirable to have patients come into their offices. So uh, that uh, uh, blip in the concerns and, and issues that uh, were being addressed in coronavirus uh, virus uh, has certainly impacted the top ten, and we'll see statistically how that has changed with the uh, with this flash survey that we're just completing right now. I guess the other change that, uh, or a couple of changes that uh, I, I realize are there: health policy, uh, which uh, was number nine on the HCG top ten for 2020, uh, most certainly has moved up. Uh, it seems like the regulations change every day, and we can come back and talk about those. And the final um, change that I'm seeing uh, in in the top 10 has been a discussion around population health that's been there for many years, but it really was starting to get described in the term that uh, we most commonly use as social determinants of health. I personally prefer barriers to health, but for some reason, health care has historically narrow defi narrowly defined uh, healthcare as medical intervention and has excluded the barriers to health. Uh, COVID has certainly um, uh, challenged that thinking and changed the way that, uh, uh, that we uh, are thinking about healthcare. And I don't know if Matt, with that sort of, and these are guesstimates, this is more Ferris, Taylor, and, and reflection of discussions than, than the top 10 or industry pulled statistics that I can share. But I, I love your term, uh, BC, before uh, coronavirus. Uh, I'm not sure AD plays quite as well, unless we <laughs> consider it after how many hundred thousand deaths uh, with right. the coronavirus that would come into play. But, but this is a watershed moment. Uh, at least in my mind, I don't know if you agree, 
Uh, yeah, I, I think what's interesting is is um, is when you when you talked about the priorities coming into 2020. Um, absolutely, things have have, have changed. Um, absolutely, uh, it, it's flipped on. Uh, everything's been flipped on its head. But but actually, the 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 issues themselves, or if if you will, the categories of issues haven't changed, right? So you talk about digital health, which we've seen uh, expressed through telehealth. You talk about consumer based or consumer centric healthcare, and you talk about how how actually in the last six months we've seen how that's kind of failed on a certain level. Um, and certainly the social determinants um, of health um, has has played itself out in the in the inequities in the in the in the the races and the genders and the economic uh, status of the people who have been ended up hospitalized and and actually uh, dying of this disease. So what what actually it seems to me is that. Um, 2019, uh, the priorities and what came out of your top 10, they had it right. Um, it's just that now it's been, it's been put under a pressure test. All of those issues have kind of sped up. And, and the other thing, which I think is interesting, and maybe it's tied somehow to, to how we're, how it's affected consumer-based health, but, um, everybody's talking about it, right? Like I, I had no idea that at the beginning of this, I would know so much about uh, viruses and how they were spread and 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 so much about how uh, vaccines were pursued, right? I think healthcare has suddenly become a, a, a dining room table conversation, a, a backyard barbecue, right? With social distancing, of course, uh, conversation where um, people are talking about what was the priorities of your group? And this was a group in a specific industry that was looking forward to their own industry. Suddenly, this industry is everybody's concern, right? And and, and suddenly, every aspect of what you just talked about, uh, the telehealth, the digital health, uh, the, 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 the inequalities, all of those issues uh, are suddenly being discussed by the people. So I wonder if, um, I guess I'll ask two questions here. Do you think that because everybody's talking about it, there'll be so much of a grassroots push uh, to see these things sped up, uh, virtual health, telehealth, uh, uh, the, 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 even the, the exchange and interchange and interoperability of, of health IT, uh, the transparency issues? Uh, do you think all of this stuff will be sped up uh, because of the kind of pressure cooker we're under and everybody's pushing for it? Uh, or do you think... Uh, we're going to be so exhausted as a healthcare industry after this, and perhaps, uh, especially at the provider and hospital level, so uh, kind of economically bereft that um, that we won't be able to to move forward very fast. Uh, how, how do you think the last six months? Uh, how do you think that adds to what's going to happen next uh, once we conquer this thing? Well, and 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 Matt. A great framing of of the entire change of healthcare in terms of the the questions that you put out there. I uh, I recall our HCG board meeting in um, in I believe it was uh, middle of March. It might have been the April board meeting, but uh, one of my my board members, uh, past uh, chief operating officer, Regents Healthcare in the Northwest, said, uh, you know, don't don't waste. A, a crisis. <laughs> right. uh, take advantage of this, and uh, in in some ways, the the old and trite saying that necessity is the mother of invention, is is really coming into play here. As, as you said, the uh, healthcare was already moving. We were moving from analog to digital. Uh, I'll put on the side fax machines, and we can come back to that at some other point. But, uh, you know, the ARA funding uh, 10 or 12 years ago, uh, putting uh, $38 billion into electronic health records, was a, a, a big effort to take an industry that was paper-based and, and, and make it electronic-based. And along with that, uh, there was a lot more virtual taking place rather than than physical. Uh, I, you know, I, everybody has a a, a a a Fitbit on the wrist or an Apple Watch or or something like that. There was a, there was a lot of change that was taking place from the uh, uh, the virtual point of view. And and you've mentioned it several times, but I, I think the whole consumer centric aspects of healthcare uh, suddenly have uh, become high priority one of the things and i'd reference the listeners to uh, uh, to our website for the uh, 
2020 industry pulse, the original survey going into 2020. Uh, but one of the key takeaways was we, we developed a, a, a consumer uh, centricity metric. Uh, where are you at on the spectrum? And we broke our responders out into payers and providers and, uh, and vendors. And it was clear even at that time that payers were further out in front of providers. 14% of providers actually said they had no consumer strategy in place. I will guarantee you today, Matthew, if, uh, if, uh, if we look at the flash survey and we have an excellent response from providers, uh, that there's not a single provider, hospital or, or physician group, that isn't thinking about what's the consumer experience and how can I change uh, or impact the consumer experience that is there. But as you indicated, the, 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 the COVID crisis has also explo exposed a lot of inequities and inadequacies uh, in our healthcare system lack of preparation, safety concerns. Uh, uh, you know, uh, we were uh, disregarding a lot of uh, public health issues that now I think will be uh, uh, very, uh, very much top of mind. And underneath all of that, as I listen to our, uh, our members and the discussions back and forth, uh, going back to this 2019 priority of number one being data and analysis and then how it's moved to much more of a foundational function across cost and transparency and consumerism and and digital transformation at the heart of that is this these challenges that have also been exposed around electronic data aggregation and how we exchange data, how we get the right data at the right time about the right person in the hands of the right decision maker in a near real time environment uh, to function as a healthcare system. And so, you know, platforms, technology infrastructure, uh, interoperability, as you mentioned, have become significantly more important in, in terms of, of supporting uh, healthcare and moving us from a transactional type of consumer experience to a much more continuous, interactive, personalized, holistic consumer experience in, in health. And I, I can guarantee you, as you said, there isn't a, a single person in the United States that is not much more cognizant of their personal health and how they feel and how they're protecting their health today than they were six months ago. It's, it's a different world. I, I think uh, it is. And I think also, if you just think about how much healthcare data your average America now consumes, right? And, and and that data in many places, you know, started digital. You know, by the time it gets privileged to the consumer, it's a it's a article in the New York Times. But but um, but they're also com consuming uh, healthcare data where before you just had the industry consuming its own, right? The plans had their data and the providers had their data and maybe they had a data analytical department in each one and they did it. But right, what we're seeing is, you know, every day we're getting um, up to the minute uh, statistics from a meta level, right? What's happening in Pinellas County, Florida, and how many? How's the ICU capacity, and and what's the rate of positive uh, uh, positive uh, COVID nineteen? Um, you know that information's going very quickly, as well as the the how to uh, treat, right? So um, every day we're hearing uh, the consumer is is hearing about you know what some doctor in North Dakota found worked very well for certain COVID nineteen patients in a certain you know age bracket or with certain symptoms, right? So suddenly, very quickly, this information is 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 there's a necessity for it to go very quickly, but the the health IT data itself is being consumed by us where it used to be, you know, we, we'd look at our bills and we'd throw them out. We didn't, we didn't want to know what the CPT code was. Right. So, so, uh, it, it, right. Just a very different, uh, world. We are focused on numbers. Individuals are focused on numbers. I mean, uh, think about it. Um, uh, uh, in years past, you would, uh, you would have your annual physical, the doctor would do a blood draw and, 
two or three weeks later, you would one of two or three things would happen. You would get a, a, a phone call or a little note in the mail that says everything's okay. And you'd say, great, everything's okay. Um, uh, or you would uh, uh, get uh, a call from the doctor's office saying, well, you need to come back in and see the doctor. But, but the consumer was kind of in the dark as to where they were at and what was happening with them. And, and today, that's not allowed. I want to know uh, <laughs> what the test result was. And, uh, and if I, I'm diabetic, I'm, I'm looking at my, my glucose levels, my sugar levels. I, if, if I, 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 I want to know my A1C level and is it going in the right direction. So there's, there's a whole different focus on, on the physical activity. My, my wife every night looks at her Fitbit and says, okay, did I make my 10,000 steps today or did I not? And she'll walk around the, the, the house for a few minutes to get to that 10,000. That wouldn't have happened uh, six months ago. Uh, we're very focused now as a society on the, the critical things to, to, to be healthy. And even though that was starting to happen, it was happening slowly. Uh, I, I reflect, I, I had the opportunity at Harvard Community for uh, some years to work with Dr. Don Berwick, who uh, had his stint as the acting director of uh, CMS uh, under uh, President Obama. And uh, he headed up Total, Total Quality, was allowed to leave Harvard Community and, and start the Institute for Healthcare Improvement. But uh, multiple times I've heard him in one way or another, refer to healthcare as a dinosaur. And I've reflected on that a lot, Matt. Uh, uh, dinosaurs move very slowly. They were slow to adapt. Uh, they, they didn't have an ability to adapt. And, uh, and we cannot afford, and we've experienced in the last uh, few months, uh, a dinosaur response to what's happening. This is rapid fire. Um, uh, you know, uh, providers resisted telehealth consults uh, because the compensation system didn't uh, uh, didn't reimburse them uh, the way it would for an office visit. So uh, I remember, I, I mean, my wife happens to be a person that periodically has a, a urinary tract infection. She knows what she has. Her doctor knows what she has. But when she would call and say, guess what? Uh, he would say, well, you have to come in, let me see you, and I'll get you a prescription, and we'll take care of this. Uh, during uh, COVID-19, that was a quick phone call. He said, great, how, uh, ask a couple of questions, uh, stop by Walgreens and pick up the, the prescription. That is the consumer. The boomer uh, mentality is immediate. They, they want to know that they're getting value for everything that they do, and um, that's going to drive sustaining this kind of change that was underway but now has been accelerated in this pressure cooker that you talk about, Matt, of the, the pandemic that we're dealing with. Good. Very good. And, you know, uh, I, I, I'm I'm an uh, impatient American, so um, my next question to you is going to be when, right? So, so I think we've seen Legislatively, we did things out of, uh, out of emergency, and and some of the states, and certainly CMS is kind of pushing to keep certainly some of the waivers that are in telehealth to keep them permanent. So we're we're starting to see that already. But on the same token, the the interoperability rule uh, has the the enforcement has been delayed because the hospitals just don't have the bandwidth to to make that lift right now, and the uh, the transparency rule is being argued in court. Um, so I guess uh, I'll, I don't think you have the question here, but you know, when are we going to see this consumer-driven, this the consumer-driven healthcare uh, take place, and and when are we going to see? You know, McKenzie says twenty percent of our of our healthcare visits and our healthcare uh, payouts will be virtual in in just a, a year or two. Um, wh when do you think we're going to see that? Uh, is that going to have to wait for? you know, uh, Congress to have lots of discussions about it. And three or four years later, we have regulations or what do you think? Well, and, and uh, you know, there's an interesting connection between Congress and the healthcare consumer. And that is that Congress exists because of voters and uh, voters are consumers of healthcare and consumers have experienced a, a very different healthcare environment in the last six months 
than they had experienced over the last number of years or even decades. So part of uh, part of the answer around when actually I think Matt shows up in the emergency orders and the 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 state initiatives, the governor responses, and even at the federal level, some of the uh, uh, initiatives and emergency orders that uh, uh, President Trump and others have agencies have have issued and put out there. Um, obviously, uh, you know, along with when is how and how do we finance it and uh, and how do all of those pieces come together? And, and it's hard right today uh, to give a specific answer to your, to your question. Uh, I kind of feel, uh, I don't know about you, but I feel hunkered down in the foxhole in the middle of a war with bullets flying over my head. I'm sheltering in place. I haven't been on a plane since uh, I think the last time I saw you, Matt, in, in January <laughs> in, in Jacksonville. I, that was my last trip. And I had a whole bunch of them planned, but uh, uh, life has has changed. But when you're in that foxhole, it's not the time to stand up and start to get up on a podium and say, let's do this and let's do that. I, I think we're in a survival mode right now in healthcare. I mean, we're still dealing with a surge. Uh, I don't I don't know about you and, uh, you know, uh, New Jersey, New York is kind of coming out of the surge, but uh, uh, Utah is one of the hot spots. And uh, so, you know, the timing may be a little dependent upon uh, the uh, filling in the answers on the unknowns that are there. Uh, but uh, as we start to flatten the curve and as we get built into the back into the healthcare system, uh, the benefit designs to deal with a pandemic like COVID and the incorporation into those designs and into the pricing for 2021, or it might even be that it takes uh, uh, 2022 to get uh, all of the financial part of this back in place so we have a stable healthcare system. I have no doubt that we will get back to uh, this new reality of consumerism and transparency and interoperability and and the incorporation of 21st century technologies, artificial intelligence, machine learning, interoperability, real-time data exchange. Um, I, I, you know, as, as, as you and I have talked uh, over the time, I, I, I think the answer to your question is, you know, this too will pass. <laughs> we will get through. We will get through COVID nineteen. I don't know exactly when that will be, uh, but on the other side, in my thirty years in healthcare, I continue to just be very impressed with the innovation that comes into healthcare. Uh, I, I haven't mentioned on this call, but uh, I was fortunate over the last 25 years to be a personal friend and a colleague of Clayton Christensen at Harvard Business School, before he was at Harvard Business School, just a personal friend, uh, the, the author of The Innovator's Dilemma and uh, Disruptive Innovation, actually worked with him in the writing of The Innovator's Prescription. Unfortunately, Clayton has passed away. He had a lot of healthcare issues, was not a healthcare uh, professional, but that we've moved from a disruptive innovation phase to, to really the fact that uh, these changes that we're talking about are now care models. They may still be in an experimental mode, but this isn't the industry looking at oh, telehealth is a disruption or uh, remote devices or in-home dialysis. Uh, you know, that's a disruptive idea that uh, it's going to take five or 10 years to, to get established. We've moved from there to a, a, a situation where we are experimenting real time and experiencing as consumers the benefit of that. I had an uncle who had diabetes and, you know, three times a week he had to go and spend most of the day at the hospital for dialysis. Well, now they can bring a piece of equipment into his home and he, he goes about his home activities, uh, does the things he likes to do, but he's getting his treatment. That's 
that's the world that we have going forward, not the world that we had uh, in the past. So, uh, you know, when you ask when, uh, I, I think uh, the uh, I grew up on a farm again, the horse is out of the barn, Matt, and, and out in the field. And if we don't catch up, uh, uh, we're, we're going to have to run to catch up, but uh, the innovation is here to stay. It'll have to get priced out. It'll have to get built into the financial models that make healthcare work. Uh, hospitals, some hospitals are doing fine financially. Some, especially rural hospitals, are are under extreme pressure. Uh, different specialties in healthcare are are are, are uh, experiencing different results. Um, health plans are concerned about, you know, as uh, as all of the delayed uh, non-essential um, health care uh, comes back, is that going to uh, uh, hit them financially and, and with premium increases and like that? Uh, we're a very uh, state-of-the-art, world-renowned healthcare industry, and we'll figure this out. And I think that this stability on the other side of the uh, the bridge will be uh, consumer centric. It'll be transparent, uh, whether it's from costs or delivery processes or anything else. The delivery system will be much more virtual. Uh, and if you push me, I'm going to say sometime uh, 2021, uh, for sure 2022, we'll be back on track. <laughs> Good, good, uh, I, I, Ferris. I think you 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 bring a great perspective, right? There's 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 no longer uh, we're not looking forward to innovation. The innovation has already happened, and we're not calling it innovation anymore. We're calling what we do on a day to day basis now with with healthcare. I think I, I think that's a terrific point, and and I think there's a lot to be said for how quickly our healthcare system uh, reacted uh, and 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 proactively moved. <laughs> Uh, to 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 take care of this pandemic, and and frankly, I'd probably have to say the same for our political systems. So they uh, they came out very quickly. The governors came out very quickly with emergency orders that freed the providers to to do what they needed to do. And and even Congress, there's criticism to be had there, but uh, they turned things around very quickly to to get things moving. So um, I I think that's a great point. Things are already happening. Things are already here. Um, Maybe there's nothing to, to that we need to to wait for. So uh, before we close up here, tell us again when you think you'll have the the next survey wrapped up. I, uh, quickly, uh, we we talked, we got the results, uh, the data, raw data. Uh, I looked at it Tuesday, so just two days ago. Uh, we'll we'll have uh, something ready to publish in two to three weeks. And I think Michael and Charles and you and I have talked about uh, uh, coming back uh, here in August with a, a Weedy-specific uh, webinar. I would prefer something where uh, we can have questions coming in and be able to deal with those uh, in an interactive way. Uh, so three, four weeks, and uh, we'll we'll be back uh, on the air, uh, Matt, you and I, and Michael for uh, and Charles for a great discussion. Awesome, thank you, thank you very much, and and thank you, Ferris, for joining us today. Uh, I think it's been an incredible inaugural episode, uh, full of full of great discussion, uh, valuable information for our listeners. Uh, look forward to seeing you again. Uh, we hope to see you uh, when the, your your survey wraps up, Ferris. Uh, thank you, Michael, for producing the show. This has been the collective voice of Health IT, a Weedy, W-E-D-I podcast, where the health information technology community connects, collaborates, and we create solutions for a better health system. Find this episode and many more on our website, weedy.org. And thank you all for joining us. Be safe. Thank you. Take care.